The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Let me tell you something, folks. This this is a callback. Tonight, what happened tonight is a callback to the first good year under Mike Rhodes where VCU... It wasn't pretty. There were a lot of rock fights that year. There were a lot of games that were tough to sit through and sometimes tough to watch. But that's the way it had to be, and they were winning as a result. This is VCU uh, Rams Rewind. For those of you listening audio, this is the Facebook Live here on in the Facebook group, VCU The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And we are sponsored, I am happy to announce, we are sponsored now by Lady Nolens. In Richmond, that is a restaurant that does Cajun food, which is right up my alley, by the way. I love Cajun food. And the next time I come to Richmond, whenever that is, uh, you will most assuredly find me patronizing Lady Nolens. That crawfish boil has my name on it. Now, please, if you like this podcast, patronize Lady Nolens and tell them that VCU Rams Rewind and George Templeton sent you. And Doug Hines, you've just hit on one of the things that makes this win so great. Ward, Hassan Ward, Levi Stockard, Keyshawn Curry. Between them, they got two points. That is it. Two, excuse me, they got four points, uh, six points, because Curry actually got one right there. So Curry, between Curry, Ward, Stockard, six points, Doug Hines, that's it. VCU committed 22 turnovers, which most nights would be death. I mean, this this was a this did like I said, this is the way it's got to be. They're gonna have to win rock fights like this. They're gonna have to do that. And and look, some some games are gonna hang in an art gallery. They're so beautiful, they'd look great right next to a painting by Picasso or Titian or Michelangelo. This is your child's finger painting that ends up on the refrigerator when they're in kindergarten. It ain't beautiful to anybody but you, but to you, it's gorgeous. This was gorgeous because this defensive effort, and even in the first two games where VCU played poorly, you could tell that defensively they were right near where they wanted to be already. Half-court defense was fantastic. Mike Urbanski, you're absolutely right about Jaden Nunn. Second half, outstanding. You know, he only made the one he, – he, he was two of eight in the first half and kind of struggling, but he got to the foul line in the second half. He, you know, he, he made a couple of really nice plays. The, the setup for Ward's dunk was fantastic because instead of driving too deep, which we saw a lot, or just driving in with reckless abandon, he drives to the perfect spot, waits for the defense to come to him, drops it off to Ward. It's a dunk. And you're just like, yes, yes, and – Bruce Stevenson, not just Jay Nunn, Nick Kern too. I looked up and couldn't believe that I saw Nick Kern with with eight points uh, tonight. 
because I thought he was playing well on the defensive end. I thought he was doing a great job at that end too. Did a fabulous job. The the thing that Nick the, the thing where Nick Kern could really help them is the fact that he can get himself into the lane at the end of the clock. He did it a couple times tonight. He'd get the ball on the wing, find a way to get into that lane and get a shot off. Uh, tremendous job from him. And yes, Michael Dunn, he is a dog. Nick Kern has got that mentality. Keyshawn Curry's got that mentality. Yeah, Keyshawn Curry only had four points tonight. Ward only had two. But between the two of them, they defensively led the charge. Um, yeah, Justin Buell, I agree. They do need to play like they're playing a Power 5 team. And just, look, so we got to win ugly. Go back to that first good year on the roads when they were picked ninth and ended up winning the, winning the conference in the regular season. They were in the 150s in offensive efficiency, and they were right around the top five in defensive efficiency the whole year. Maybe that's the kind of team we got. I don't know. But I'm looking at Vanderbilt. They talked about it ad infinitum about Scottie Pippen Jr. One time he had single-digit points last year. He has eight points tonight. He's two for ten from the field. It's five turnovers. Five turnovers, and they had – 15 as a team. Oh, excuse me, I had 21 as a team. I was looking at the wrong number. I was looking at points off turnovers. V, that's the other thing. VCU wins points off turnovers. They didn't do that the first two games. VCU out-rebounds Vanderbilt. They didn't do that the first two games. Plus nine on the second chance points. They weren't doing that. But the most critical thing of this second half defensive effort, and we're going to go through all the second half numbers because they are fantastic. Zero. That's zip. That's zilch, fast break points. Vanderbilt was plus nine in fast break points in the first half, which is why even though VCU was, in my opinion, dominating the game, they were only up one point because those long rebounds off of bad early shots, long jumpers in the first half, and then a couple of turnovers, you know, was going the other way. And, and the other thing that was great about this, they did this in spite of the fact that the referees – completely tilted the game in Vanderbilt's favor for most of it. Some of those refereeing decisions, some of these ticky-tack foul calls they were making, oh, Vince Williams had a couple of bad ones called on him, and he ends up with four fouls. And that's the thing. If Vince Williams isn't in foul trouble, I think he gets 20 tonight. Five of ten from the field, four of eight from three. That's the Vince Williams we know. Absolutely outstanding from him tonight. Uh, None ends up with 11. Played played well, but Hassan Ward. Cha- I mean, when you have a guy that can erase people like he does, and can and can just destroy people in the paint defensively like he does. Look, you can take some chances on the perimeter with your defense. You can be aggressive because you know that Ward's back there. Now you don't want to see them do that all the time, obviously, because you don't want. Players getting around, you turn the corner because that's the way to get your guy in foul trouble. But Hassan Ward had five blocks tonight, eight rebounds, only two points, yet he dominated the game. Dominated the game and changed so many shots and bothered so many of their players down low. You could tell it was in their minds. It was absolutely in Pippen's mind. He was not nearly as aggressive going to the basket as you would normally see, especially after Ward erased him twice. You know, Jordan Wright, who was their only guy in double figures, he had to take 16 shots to get 15 points. Um, Yeah, 
Doug Hines, I think the Larry Sanders comp is there. I think the Larry Sanders comp is absolutely there. And his defense is so good that the fact that he's not really there offensively yet, he could still get drafted high. Look, Larry Sanders went 17th overall. So that tells you something. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, the block, I mean, it was just, it was just really, really tremendous. And, and Todd St. Pierre said it, and I have to agree, it's a great job by the coaching staff and Mike Rhodes because, you know, this team, this team was so bad against Wagner uh, in that second half. It was unreal. And, and I have to give Mike Rhodes credit, credit. He didn't sugarcoat it after the game uh, at all. And he talked about getting back to first principles and fundamentals. Well, you saw it tonight. How do you win a game when you're 6 of 19 for 3, which is 32%, when you're 33% from the field? Well, this is how you win the game like that. You hold the other team to four field goals in the second half. Four of them. Four for 25, that's 16%. They didn't make a three in the second half. They were two for 25 for the game, and one of those – one of those was a kick out where we just kind of went to sleep and left left their big guy, uh, Frank, wide the heck open. And that's the only shot he made. And here's the other thing. Some of those were open looks that they missed, but what were they? They were early in the shot clock, no rhythm at all, just jacking it up, which is exactly what you want if you're the defense. They gave away so many possessions early in the shot clock, and to me – it just fed VCU's defensive energy. The other thing, too, and I want to give Rhodes credit for this. There's a couple times he went to the press that caused problems. But what he did, what I really liked, sometimes only you only need a one-man press in the sense that you just pressure that ball carrier, the guy who's bringing it up the floor, you just kind of you bother him and you, you slow him down and you don't give him the front court easily. And they did that, and Vandy could not set their offense. And that's how you get four for 25 in the second half. One assist. One assist. And that's the other thing. Vandy only commits eight turnovers in the second half, which against VCU, that's not bad. Really, that's not too bad at all, eight turnovers in the second half. But but they didn't, you know, they, they couldn't get anything going. And VCU forced them to do what we've seen VCU do way too much of, which is one-on-one hero ball. I got to do it myself. Nobody out there was talking for Vanderbilt. Nobody out there was trying to get every get somebody else involved, and it just played right into VCU's hands. I mean, what a what a fabulous effort this is when you think about it, too. And here's the other thing, and this shows you that if VCU does the right things like they did tonight, they're going to win a lot of ball games. Vanderbilt had one more shot than VCU. You think about the first two games. St. Peter's had 14 more field goal attempts. Uh, and Wagner, I think, had 15 more field goal attempts. Tonight, the difference was one. And when you think about what a good defensive team this is, if that's the kind of if that's what's happening most nights, VCU's going to win. And again, it ain't going to be pretty. They only got 46 points tonight, uh, 48 points tonight. They didn't shoot, but they shot 17 of 52 from the field. That's not great. But in the second half, they were better. I mean, they didn't make a field goal. The last 7.44 and still one going away. That tells you something right there. They missed their last five shots from the field because they were 50%. Uh, you know, with I think it was eight at the under eight timeout, they were nine of 18 from the field. So 
I mean, you don't want to see that, obviously. You don't want to see VCU going 744 without a field goal. But we've also acknowledged that, look, that's going to happen. VCU's going to have stretches like that, that they had a stretch like that to end the game and were in no danger of losing. Just shows you what a fantastic effort uh, they they made tonight. I, I just I – lo- I mean, that's the thing. It's, I know for, for the neutral – Hard to sit through a game like this. I understand it. I get it. And I'm sure there are VCU fans that are going to look at this and say, you know, only 48 points and all that. Um, No, that's a good and great job, Daniel Carter. That's absolutely right. Uh, Second fewest points allowed, he says, second only to our game against Mason in 2019. Absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And, yeah, Justin, like I said, you, you don't want to end the game kind of, I mean, look, the last two minutes weren't great, but when you have that kind of a lead, and I think they had, I think they were leading by like 13 with two minutes left. Sometimes mentally you're going to drift, and look, they were more concerned at getting the clock run out. And and I got to go back to it again. Even the possessions where they weren't scoring, they were working the clock. They were working the offense. You can wear teams down like that, and they wore Vanderbilt down when you jack up a shot in the first 10 seconds. If it goes in, that's great, but it's it, it, it still is giving away a possession. It's still letting the other team off the hook because that's 20 seconds of defense they don't have to play. That's 20 seconds of having to run around and having to fight through screens, and that's the other thing. For the most part, you didn't see VCU standing around. You didn't see, you didn't see players just sitting there dribbling the basketball. The ball was moving. The players were moving. I would have liked to see a few more screens than I saw tonight, but that's okay. The point is, when you're doing that, you're making the other team work hard on defense, and that takes it out of them. It is always much harder. To to me, it is always more energy energy sapping to have to play that kind of defense for 30 seconds than than it is to do that on offense. Because you're the one reacting, you're the one chasing, you're not dictating. Look, uh, rebounding. They were only minus two on offensive rebounds. And what I noticed is that Vanderbilt was – it's not as if Vanderbilt was getting offensive rebounds and then working the shot clock. Like what Wagner did that hurt VCU was when they'd get an offensive rebound, there were a lot of times that ball would go back out and they'd work their offense another 30 seconds. And when you got to defend for that long, that just absolutely saps you. Uh, also, let's let's give a call out to the, to the, to the uh, depth of this team tonight because the foul troubles were there. You know, Williams Williams had to sit for some periods. Deloach got into foul trouble. So they had to have a lot of guys play minutes. Kern, 13 quality minutes from him. Banks, 19 quality minutes from him off the off the uh, bench. Brown Jones, six rebounds in 15 minutes. Uh, that's that's great stuff from him. Uh, so I mean, this, this was this is, but this game shows. What's great about this game for VCU and what I hope happens is the players will look at this and they'll forget the scoreboard and say, you know what, when we all pitch in, we can get this work done. That is, and that is the message I'd be driving home to them. It's like, look, we don't have bones. We don't have ace. So we've got some challenges in front of us. We don't, we don't have Jameer Watkins. But the thing is, when we work and play together as a team, we can do this, and it and it just comes through here in spades. Uh, yes, Brown, it is one of Brown Jones' best games. He only had three points, but again, defensively, 
all these guys were playing with great energy on defense. And, and we talk about the rebounding. What do you who's who's rebounding the basketball when you're do, when you're a good rebounding team? Your guards are. Vince Williams' guard forward gets six. Uh, Sahonis six rebounds tonight. Outstanding. Outstanding. And he had a bad start in this game, but he made some plays. Three assists tonight from him. Uh, so that that was terrific. He had some he 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 took some bad shots early, but I thought he he got he got himself together in the second half and did a great job. But this this is it's the this is the type of win that could really set them on the right road because it shows them that if they if they all pitch in, if they work together, look, the offensive numbers ain't gonna look great, but there are there are nights when some of those shots that didn't go in will, there are nights when some of the fouls that should have been called that would have put them on the foul line will get called. There are nights when they're gonna score a lot more than forty six points and that forty eight points and they're gonna need to and they're gonna win. If they're willing to play as a team, if they're willing to talk to each other, if they're willing to try to get the other guy going instead of worrying about their own offense, this is what they are capable of. What they're capable of. Now, who knows? Vanderbilt may turn out to be terrible in the SEC again. I don't know. But if you when you can beat a Power 5 team on the road, you have the chance for that win to be a really good win. You think about Penn State last year, even with all their struggles in the Big Ten, if VCU had pulled that game out, that would have been a quad one win for pretty much the entire rest of the season. And that's one of those things that, that you know, that was one of those opportunities where, like, damn, we missed out on it. Well, they got the opportunity today. And, of course, we all now have to be Vanderbilt fans because we want Vanderbilt to do well. Yes, they will definitely need more against Syracuse, but here's the thing. They also did a good job against the zone tonight. I know the numbers weren't great, but they really – they did not – sit there like they did against Wagner and just pass the ball around the perimeter, pass the ball around the perimeter, take a take a three-pointer and brick it. Because that Syracuse, we all know what they're going to do. They're going to do the same thing as a 2-3 zone. So Jaden Nunn, Marcus Sahonis, use that dribble, use that drive, dribble penetration. Vince Williams too. Mark, you know, get that ball into the paint to Ward, and Ward's got to be ready to either – get it to a cutter on the baseline, or get the defense to suck in, kick it back out, uh, somebody in the corner for the three or somebody outside for the three. But be with, but understand, you got to get into that, get into the lane to beat the zone, and they did it tonight. And it didn't always pay off because, you know, they'd kick it out, and sometimes miss the three, the shot wouldn't go in, whatever. Against Syracuse, it might go in. So... That was that's the that's one of the other great things about this win is that the biggest and Todd, you're right. The Bayheim zone is definitely better than the Stackhouse zone because again, you're also dealing with long arms, bigger athletes. That's going to be tough. But look, screens, screen to screen to set free the dribbler so he can drive, passes into the post, and quick passes in the post. Sometimes and sometimes bounce passes too. So you can get it under those get it under those long arms when they're up in the air and that kind of thing. But again, be willing to play as a team, but get into the lane. And they and they prove they can do it. You know, and that's the key. Syracuse will see this, will look at this film and say, hey, you know, there, there may be times where we have to get out of that zone if they start to get into the paint and get buckets down there. So this this is just this is one of those things. It's like 
this is a win I hope we're going to be remembering for a long time because the Wagner loss was pretty bad, and a lot of people were really frustrated. And I couldn't blame, and I couldn't blame them. Uh, so I couldn't blame some people for wanting to jump out of the boat and just damn this team is terrible because that was that second half was so bad it was untrue. But I'll tell you something. And, and somebody said it about Mike Rhodes and bouncing back. I think it was Doug Hines was talking about Mike Rhodes and bouncing back from bad losses. One thing I've always loved about this program is that usually when their backs are against the wall, they will come out fighting. They will get after people. They'll, under, they'll take the challenge and understand that there's a certain level and standard that VCU fans expect, and we've got to provide that. And tonight they did it. You, you, whatever you think of the final score or whatever, you couldn't walk away from that game and not be proud of this, this team's effort because everybody put in tonight. Nobody, nobody was out there just half stepping it through and whatever. Everybody, everybody pitched in, everybody got after it. Everybody made a play here or there that was important. You know, they, they didn't, they, they absolutely came up to the standard that we expect when somebody puts, wants to put the, black and gold jersey on and look some some players will look at this style and say oh god I don't want to I don't want to be on a thing like that because I don't want to be asked to work on defense like that and I don't want to have to you know I don't want to have to only play you know 20 some minutes because I'm asked to just burn myself down before I get to sit the bench but I'll tell you one thing there are a lot of players that love playing this style because they know they're going to get to play and get a chance and that's why they could keep getting good players in here. Uh, so this was this was just outstanding. I, I'm I'm nothing but proud of this team, the coaches, everybody. They all could take a bow tonight because again, and that's that was one of the other things I, that I enjoyed them pointing out. You know, this is 19 wins against the Power Five since 2007. You know, outside of Gonzaga. And you know, and maybe and maybe a few Mountain West teams like Utah State or somebody like that. There ain't going to be many non-Power Five teams in the country that have that many. Maybe Loyola uh, of Chicago uh, would be one of those. Of course, Loyola of Chicago who will be coming to this conference next year. I think we're all. I, I know this. I'm very happy about that as well. But that that is this this is one of those wins that makes a team. This is one of those wins that sets the foundation for a good season and maybe even a great season. And again, it's a work in progress. This offense is not there yet. It may never get there. And if it gets there, it might not be till late in the season. And look, things will change, hopefully for the better, when Ace Baldwin comes back in January. You know, But for right now, this will have to do, and it'll do me. Because one thing about it, I know that a team that can play defense like that can stay in a game. They can stay in a game because, yeah, their offense isn't working, but they're going to come right back down the floor on the other end and give you problems and stop you and frustrate you and make you make mistakes. And that can build, that can feed this offense. And it did tonight. Um, points off turnovers, they won it. Plus five on that, 20 to 15. And that's just, that's just great. That's just great when you do that. So, Saturday, Chattanooga. Amazingly, much to my surprise, I'm actually off work. So, I will definitely be watching that live with you guys. I can't wait for it now. Of course, you do worry about a letdown after after a win like this. But I think that this is the oper- that, that 
we might start to see some momentum build here because it was one thing, these first two games, we know they didn't play well. They were fortunate not to be 0-2. This is a statement win. This is a win that says, yeah, we've got all these challenges, but we're still VCU and we're still going to be right up there in this league. And look, this has been a very good night for the A-10. Three Power 5 teams lost to the A-10 tonight. Many of you will already know this, but for those of you who are listening who don't, Rhode Island knocked off Boston College of the ACC tonight and did so handily. And in what will probably be the headline in college basketball tonight, George Mason went to Maryland and won at nationally ranked Maryland. And I took a look at at, at the uh, box score for that game, I saw one name I recognized from last year. There might have been a few others that are still from last year, but let's remember George Mason's roster has been almost completely turned over. Uh, that's quite an achievement to win a game like that uh, with a new coach and essentially a new team. So DCU's part of that tonight. This is a big night for the conference. This is a good night for the conference, and it's a hell of a night for VCU. And look, Let's have a let's have a great crowd Saturday for Chattanooga. Hope everybody gets in there and is excited after this. Let's send these guys off with a win before they head to the Bahamas. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, not, I'm looking forward to that even more than I was before because we know what this team is capable of now. They've set a standard. They've set a standard. Now the goal is to meet or to pass that standard as many times as they can, and I think I think they're going to be capable of that. So, VC Rams Rewind, if you're listening, rate, review, subscribe on all your different podcast player platforms. Share it around. Tell your friends. Uh, send an email us comments or questions and quibbles and complaints if you have them. The fan group where I do these live Facebook lives when I can watch the game. VCU Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, we have a fun time. We had a fun time in the game thread tonight. There was a lot of complaining, usually about the referees and all that, but but we have a good time in here, and you know, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous win. And I, I'm just glad I was able to get home from work and watch that, and and just see VCU sort of plant their flag in the ground and say, "Not today, folks. We are not having this anymore." That out there, that's the real VCU. Not what you saw against Wagner or St. Peter's. That's the real VCU. That's the VCU that can that can fight for a tournament bid and fight at the top of the A-10 like they've done for most of the last decade. So thank you all for listening. I enjoyed doing it. Thank you for all the comments in the Facebook Live video. Uh, I really appreciate it. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.